We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, aka Blender HD, aka hopefully on top of you on the GPP leaderboards this Sunday. I came close, came close to this past week. Joined by uh, the man behind the model, it's uh, Stuart Gibson at Advanced Sports Analytics, and making a rare appearance. He comes back after. Uh, after two really good weeks, uh, seven plus figures on 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 the on the spreadsheet. There, it's uh, it's it's Brandon Adams. Uh, I I I have to needle you. I have to needle you, Brandon, a little bit because when you come in, when you come in like uh, third and fourth in the in the in the milli with the same lineup, I go, uh, what happened with the dupes there? <laughs> well, Stuart, Stuart knows the the reasoning behind that because. What I do is um, I uh, I do all my lineups by hand, and I do all my lineups by hand basically close to lock. So um, I've just found that I have poor results with optimizers uh, for whatever reason, and I don't use them if it's important, and. I just do a lot of clicking. I like sit at my computer and, and build stuff by hand. And what I will do is I will be very dynamic about my lineups and I will make sacrifices in light of time constraints. So 
I'll, I'll sometimes make um, 50 lineups by hand for the millionaire maker and I'll enter each lineup three times. Um, and then I will look at the lineups around three 30 or four o'clock and, and decide which ones I think are live. Um, I make trade-offs in, in light of time constraints. So if you were truly optimal about it, then you would make adjustments based on cash probabilities and all, all of that. I just typically look at them. If they're live for the win, I'll make adjustments. And in that case, like logically the lineup was not live for the win. So I didn't make any adjustments and then it wouldn't have mattered if I made any adjustments because I had the stone nuts in the afternoon, but um, I would still maintain that it was good decision-making in that case, because the lineup was dead for the win after the 1 PM slate. It just so happened that it hit so perfectly in the afternoon where I had new England defense at whatever uh, single digit ownership. And they, have a historic performance and then I have the nuts in another spot. So um, it looks funny when you have two at this, at the same time, but it's, it was a case where like to, to my way of thinking based on my process, I'm not supposed to make an adjustment for the afternoon slate. Okay. But I mean, it's very similar to me sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll enter, I'll enter 50 lineups. I'll enter a hundred, I'll enter the contest a hundred times. And then from time constraints, it's like, damn, it's five minutes to go. And I really only have 80 lineups that I like to use. So uh, I can't withdraw. The contest is full. So just, you know, duplicate 20 of them. And then in the late games, you could always late swap and say, you know, if, I, if I'm, like you said, if, if you're live for the win and you have like three lineups that are the same, you'll switch one out. You'll switch, you know, instead of this running back, it's this running back. You know, you'll make that one be one swap. So, you know, you have three chances at the nuts. I mean, I just had to kneel you with the, cause uh, you know, I, I, I make all unique lineups usually. And uh, so, so when, when I'm on these showdown shows and I'm like, no, I pride myself on trying to make unique lineups. You don't want to, especially you don't want to have the same lineup twice in a showdown. So, so uh, it feels like the audience would, would, would get on me if I didn't, I didn't ask you about the dupes. Yeah. Needless to say, showdown is a totally different animal and you, you would never have that as a process, but with, with, um, with the full slates, there's so much late game flexibility that it can be okay to um, duplicate as time constraint and and then make adjustments later. Then Stuart, uh, how was how was your week last week? I I played. I didn't play multi entry. I just played like a lot of single entry lineups. So like I was I was close on some of them. I had like the nuts. Then I Kamara and Ty- Tyreek Hill, and that didn't work out. But but Stuart, uh, we're, we're coming down to the end of the season, so. Uh, I, I, I binked a GPP, Brandon, he, he made way more money than me. Uh, what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm clear, clearly the least successful. Um, I, I was in a logistically tough uh, environment to put together kind of uh, multiple lineups last week. So threw in a, a single entry that, you know, had some good pieces, but not enough to, to climb to the top of the leaderboard. Um, you know, I think, had good process around going like with a Tannehill stack, but uh, use AJ Brown and Janu, which didn't work out too well. Um, was thinking that 
you know, Michael Gallup would be decent leverage off Pollard. I kind of expected Pollard to be super popular. And uh, I guess it turns out that he was uh, not, not incredibly uh, popular, but um, so. Well, I mean, he should have been. It's just that NFL DFS tends to have a lot more casual money in there. And when you get news 90 minutes before lock, uh, people don't change their lineups. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think he was an incredible play or, you know, very, very good play. And uh, I just was thinking that many people would also think the same and gravitate towards him in a big way. I did all leveled yourself. You, you gave the field too much credit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, I mean, I was pretty certain, you know, I, I liked the idea of doing like Iuke versus you know, Gallup was really where I had started. And then, you know, Pollard kind of opened up Iuke, Iuke Pollard, but I was just thinking, well, I feel like so many people are going to be playing Iuke. So many people are going to see Ayuk Pollard. So if I go like Ayuk Gallup, um, I did this. I did kind of the same thing, but I did the opposite way. I went born Pollard. Got it. Okay. So yeah. Use use the leverage on the other side. So they, there you go. But uh, but we have a week sixteen slate coming up right now. Ten games because we have three on on, on Saturday, and we're, we're not talking about those games. We're talking about the the main slate on Roto Grinders. There will be uh, there will be that three game slate content uh, up up. I believe Friday, we have some premium stuff. Uh, I'll be doing a show uh, before lock with Eric Bime for, and as always, if you want to get any of our premium content at Roto Grinders lineup HQ, all the projections uh, you can now pay per sport. So if you only want to play NBA, like it's, it's starting up now, you just have to pay for NBA. But if you want all the sports, it's all in one combo package. And uh, you get uh, $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the YouTube right? Click that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, right? Do stuff like that on YouTube, but, uh, but check that out. So uh, we have a slate that I like this slate. I, to me, this is, this is a blender slate, right? People call it that because we have a lot of low totals. And when there are a lot of low totals and not many high totals, I think vomit stacks. And I, you know, this year vomit stacks have not been the in thing. Hasn't been the trend, right? There's so many high totals. You're never thinking about, you know, taking, taking a shot on some of these lower total games. But on this slate, we only have one game that has a over a 50 total. And it's most probably going to be one of the popular games on the slate. It's the Kansas city chiefs at home against the Falcons. It's a 54 total. Uh, the chiefs are favored by 10 and a half. Currently the chiefs have a 32.25 implied total. The Falcons have a 21.75 implied total. Uh, I mean, we talk about the Chiefs all the time. Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill. Obviously, they have some secondary pieces. Levy and Bell probably starts at running back. Uh, Stewart, I'm I'm going to assume. I mean, they have a team total that's uh, almost four points higher than the next team. I'm i I would I would have to bet my house that they're number one in the model. Yeah, they are. It, it's an interesting weekend. I, I'm kind of going back and forth, but on how I see this Kansas city side, but yeah, I mean, they are the most probable to score the most points and by, you know, pretty wide margin. Uh, we have them at 19 uh, plus percent chance of scoring the most points in uh, second Cleveland all the way down at, you know, 11 plus percent. So pretty big margin. And I mean, the price is obviously way up on, you know, all these Kansas city guys across the board. And uh, you know, I think in previous weeks we have not been super high on Kansas city because They've had price tags that are still lower than they are now, but like their total and kind of uh, you know, total relative to the other totals on the slate have been 
somewhat underwhelming. I mean, we have one of these weeks where Kansas City is back to the top and just in a pretty big way. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see kind of how y'all's ownership projects Mahomes. Like if he's going to be the most popular quarterback or one of the top two quarterbacks, you know, seems like a, a decent spot to stay away from on account of just price sensitivity. But, you know, it is a slate where, you know, with no Rogers, no Adams, uh, you know, no Tannehill, like there does seem to be somewhat of a shortage of kind of elite top flight quarterbacks. You know, Russ is in there, but with a pretty, you know, low total such that like, I mean, just seems like Mahomes route to being the top scoring quarterback on the slate is pretty clear. And, you know, even though there is kind of a price surge on, on him and his pieces, um, you know, I do wonder just given the amount of separation we can project between, uh, you know, he and kind of the next best quarterback and just also the chiefs team as a whole. I wonder, you know, if it, it might be warranted to spend up if the field is going to kind of be away from him. Uh, on Brandon, uh, how, how are you going to handle this? Cause my natural, pro, pro, uh, you know, proclivity, uh, I know, I know we're recording on Christmas Eve, but, but I'm Jewish. So I'm, that's, that's why it doesn't matter to me. I'm, I'm fine. Right. I'm, there's no movie. The movie theaters aren't open though. Like I typically my family, we go to the movies, we're the only ones in there. Right. And then go get some Chinese food. Like, like every, every good Jewish, you know, non-kosher food. You get, you get that. Uh, so from a price perspective, not to tie in the, you know, my, my Jewishness to the price, Tyreek Hill is, is 9,000 and Kelsey is 8,500. Ridley on the other side is 8,500. Uh, is there enough value versus the ownership? Like, like how do you, st- how, are, would you be stacking this game? Is there, is it, is there enough ceiling combined at these prices that, that it's worth to like, how do you stack it? I mean, I'm, I'm posing it to you because you tend Brandon to like, Oh, they're high total games. They're the most likely to shoot out. I want those games. Now I could understand using pieces like having Tyreek Hill as a one-off Kelsey as a one-off Ridley as a one, like do stuff like that. But like pairing Mahomes with either, even if you're not pairing them with Kelsey and Hill together and you're taking a Watkins or a Demarcus Robinson or something like that, like at what point on, on at, do you think that the prices are too high? Yeah, I would not want to pay those prices this week. I think um, we're at the stage of the DFS season where things become much more complicated and you really have to think about your lineups in terms of what type of contest am I entering? If you're doing smaller contests with higher buy-ins, you need more certainty of production when you when you're doing stuff like the millionaire maker of course you can do the vomit stacks and and take your chances um but a key thing for me is if i'm entering say a $300 contest like a high dollar contest with medium size uh medium 5000 entrance or whatever um it's important for me to have certainty that weather is good and incentives are good. Okay. Um, at this stage in the season, you have new complexities that come in. Do the teams want to play their guys? And is everyone full go the whole game for sure? And then weather starts getting complicated this time of year. So you really have to 
check off those boxes. And I'm quite conservative in those regards. Like if I'm playing, if I'm playing a $300 tournament, I'm going to tend not to use guys. If I think there are question marks and so does um, this chief's team, Brandon, do you think this chief's team doesn't need to win that? Yeah. Because the Steelers have sort of faded away a bit. Um, they, uh, to me, like, I don't know why I push the guys. Um, I certainly, certainly we saw, we saw Lamar uh, come out, uh, for the, his third backup or whatever for the last six minutes last, last week, or, um, it, it, I, I, I expect, um, because the production is so concentrated on Tyreek, Kelsey and Mahomes, um, and, and look, the chiefs almost got really unlucky with their running back situation, uh, because they, they played the guys late. I, I, I expect that if they are afforded the opportunity to rest their guys, they will rest their guys. Um, that caps and, and the you have to factor to pay the prices, right? Right. That's what I was going to say. You have to fast factor that risk in because at their prices, like the chiefs almost need to put, like, they need to put up 42 points. They need to act like they do need to win because a simple 22 point game from Tyreek Hill at 9,000 ain't going to cut it. Yeah. Like in the big tournament last week, I played mostly Kyler, like extremely aggressive Kyler. And, um, it was be, in part because that was the most trusted spot incentive wise. And I think now um, I'm going to sort of have to sort of think through everything in the light of last week's changes week 16, but I would say um, you kind of, you kind of need to go through and, and say um, there are some teams that will take a break if they can and the Chiefs seem like for sure number one in that regard and the Falcons play like they've taken a break <laughs> right? yeah Falcons Falcons you have all sorts of obscure things going on uh, for some reason Ryan's production has historically been very good in December um not that that is super relevant but there I have noticed a pattern over time where I'm shocked by like Atlanta totals late in the season and I'm shocked by Vegas totals and Vegas turns out to be right. Um, they, um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously people got burned on Tampa Bay defense last week. Um, obviously Ryan put up a good performance. Ridley was massive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta had a good performance, but of course they're a far worse team. And the most likely scenario is that Casey gets out ahead and then puts on the brakes a little bit. But obviously this will be a popular game because it has such a higher total than anything else. But personally, from a price perspective, I think there were a lot better games on the slate as far as stackability is concerned. I could see one of the players in the of the Chiefs, like being in the optimal lineup, like especially like in the tight, like to me, Kelsey in the tight end spot, like Kelsey is like the only tight end on this slate that could put up a score that like you will need. Like if you don't have Kelsey's 28 points, the next sc- highest scoring tight end could have 12. So like uh, Brandon, 
do you agree with that, that you would be more likely, even if you're staying away from this game, that if you were to take a piece, it would be someone like Kelsey rather than like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I agree with that. I thought that that like last week in the big contest, I played I played mostly Andrews instead of Kelsey because I thought that the narrative of Kelsey like crushing everyone at the tight end position had gotten a little overblown. Um, it depends a lot on contest size. Like if I, I, I think, um, I think it's really like the mid-sized contest types and the small mid-sized context types where you, it's kind of most important to win at tight end. So you're most inclined to pay premium. Um, the very large contests, I, I think it's less of an issue. Like you can go, there's many different builds that can work. And, um, and for like a cash game style or some very small field, I think there are many different builds that can work. Um, but yeah, I would tend to be way underweight this game. I think far more interesting games are like, like Rams and Seahawks. They both, they both have strong playoff incentives and, um, the only reason that the totals are not spectacular and, and the projections are not spectacular is because there are concerns about efficiency, but it's just the right kind of environment where a lot of plays are going to be run. Both teams have strong incentives. There's a good chance the game stays close. And all you need is like a good golf game where he has better than expected efficiency and, and you get great results. Russell, let's talk about that game. I mean, because outside of the Falcons-Chiefs game, I know normally on this show we go from top total to buy, you know, to top totals. But I mean, essentially, it's one game has the highest total, and then we have this bucket of the, like everything else. So, so I find it interesting because to me, the Rams and the Rams Seahawks game like was not on my radar particularly, but I I I completely admit the fact that I you know. I'm more of a slave to projections than anything else. Uh, I could see uh, if the Rams are good and the Seahawks are good. They're, these are good teams. They've been playing poorly recently. But yes, if they're, both their offenses are on, like this game could be 50 plus. So, Stewart, uh, because of the low implied totals, because we, C- we have the Seahawks at 24 and a half and the Rams at 23, I have to assume that it's not like they – they probably don't show up that high, but they probably don't show up that low. Yeah, I mean, Seahawks are towards the middle. We have them at a 4% chance of scoring the most points. Rams, uh, you know, 3.4%, kind of middle to low. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's just this kind of uh, bucket of teams between, you know, 2% likelihood and 7% likelihood that have, um, you know, they're they're – they're not totally out of the mix. You know, they're not in like uh Jaguars giants jets territory, but um, you know, they're not, uh, they're not, you know, you're not feeling super comfortable that they score the most points, but in a slate where I guess there's not too many teams that have like super high probabilities uh, could be worth a shot. I mean, for me, it just feels like these, these aren't really that cheap of stacks to acquire. Um, it feels like a bit much to pay for teams with relatively low totals. To me, like I see, 
games with higher totals with, you know, offensive pieces that, you know, can move just as well as, you know, these Seattle or Los Angeles guys and, you know, are more efficiently priced. Um, some of them are in potentially like blowout risk spots, um, you know, like Baltimore, Cleveland, um, you know, some, some risk. And, you know, definitely to Brandon's point about incentivization, uh, you know, when you talk about like the, the Giants, Jaguars, Jets, Bengals of the world, uh, it was pretty low competitive kind of incentive to play. Um, so I don't know that that game, as you mentioned, was not not on my radar either, mostly on kind of price sensitivity. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, that's a, that, that's I mean, that's exactly what my thought process was. So Brandon, uh you kind of for the Rams side, you kind of have like a yin yang with your with your style of play. Uh, Daryl Henderson with uh, Cam Akers may end up gaining some steam ownership wise, but he's only forty five hundred. And I know you like playing cheap running backs, especially in 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 large field GPPs. But uh, the leverage off of that would would be playing a golf golf plus Woods, golf plus Woods plus Higby or Everett. I mean, obviously, Cup's there also, uh, and especially coming off a game where they they lost to the Jets, that probably you know when people look at the game log and you know that's what they think of of the Rams. Are you more likely to to stack the passing game for the Rams or take the cheap running back? Oh, passing game, yeah, because because the distributions of especially Woods are are very very nice for tournaments. Uh, Woods Woods has these. Uh, extreme games where he puts up puts up tournament winning performances. Um, so definitely the passing game. And for the purposes of this discussion, I'm I'm talking about big field tournaments, millionaire maker. Um, I think you can play the straight the the slate on a more straightforward basis if you're paying playing like a thousand people or something like that. But I'm talking about playing a hundred thousand people or whatever. You want to get. You want to get different, as you say, and it's unlikely that this slate gets away from you because it is uh, a low total type slate. So you can you can take some chances, and um, of the chances I'm going to take, like Rams doesn't seem so extreme to me. I think that's that's like a fairly uh, fairly straightforward one to gamble on. Right, but I see what uh, Stewart's point was that we have teams that have higher implied totals that have cheaper cheaper stack prices, cheaper pieces. So like. One of the one of the, the games that I'm looking at is the uh, Broncos Chargers game. Uh, it's a 48 and a half total. It's come down. It's uh, Chargers are favored by three and a half. Chargers have a 26 implied total. Broncos have a 22 implied total. Now, Stewart, I'm going to ask you about uh, the Chargers being high on that list. I'm assuming the Broncos aren't. But would I be nuts to say that the Broncos are my favorite vomit stack of the slate? Yeah, I mean, so no, you're, you're correct. We got uh, Los Angeles as sixth at a 6.4% chance. Broncos down at 3%, which I think is usually higher than they typically are. Maybe that's a short slate. But, I mean, the thing with the Broncos is, like, you can get, like, Locke, Fant plus wide receiver for, you know, really the same price of, like, you know, Minshew and company or, or Darnold. You get them at the same price as Tyreek Hill by himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they're like, 
you know, it's one of these teams. And, you know, I think this is how, like, the Broncos had that one good week against Atlanta where it's kind of similar setup, you know, uh, not like an exceptional, to- an exceptional total, but their price point relative to their total and just kind of where they fit in relative to kind of the other teams in the slate. I think it was pretty good bargain. I mean, you know, the, the Broncos we have at a uh, you know, similar probability of scoring the most points to like Los Angeles, uh, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, you know, these are teams that are priced up, uh, you know, Washington, even to an extent, like, you know, McLaurin, Thomas, you know, Haskins, even like, I mean, Haskins is cheap, but you know, there are cheaper quarterbacks. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, price sensitivity, uh, wise, like they're in a decent spot. Uh, you know, and it's very clear, I guess, with the Los Angeles side. Well, actually, no. I mean, so would you think Allen or Eckler? Oh, Eckler, Eckler is going to be I, – I, I like the Broncos stack because it could allow me to play a chalky Austin Eckler okay. in a lineup where I mitigate the ownership by playing lock plus two in it. And I don't mind the double stacks this week when there are lower totals. So I, I'm more likely to stack with the tight end. I don't want to uh, get the opportunity cost at wide receiver for ceilings and large field GPPs are just too high that, mm-hmm. you know, do I, do I think Judy and Patrick could, yeah, I guess they could both put up 20, but that's not going to be good enough for a Millie maker, you know, a slant type contest. So I'm like, it's going to be lock plus wide receiver plus Fant yeah. and then run it back with, with Eckler. Uh, I mean, you could still play Al. You could play Allen in the lineup. You could play Hunter Henry if you don't play Fant in the lineup with a single stack. I mean, I'd, there are many ways to go in this game, but the cheapness of the Broncos stack means that I could play the stack. I could play Eckler running back even at twenty plus percent owned or whatever it'll be, and then I could just jam in. I, if I want to play DK Metcalf as a one-off, like I'm able to. If I could play Tyreek Hill as a one, I could play. Any of the, the high-priced wide receivers or, or running backs that could put up 30, 40 points maybe in a game like that, like it gives me the. I mean, that's my vomit stack. I mean, that I, I, I don't hide it. That's that's why I play vomit stacks. But I typically play them on slates where, you know, we don't have we don't have six games that are fifty plus totals. I mean, this may be a low-scoring slate, so vomit stacks could win on low-scoring weeks, and. I, I think it's going to be a low scoring week. So Brandon, feel free to knock down and uh, my, my vomit stack strategy like you normally do. Um, no, I'm not going, I'm not going to knock it down. Um, the Denver receivers are, are beautiful GPP plays. Um, I, I love Judy and Hamler, especially they just, they're speedy and they can break off 18 DraftKings points in one play. Um, they have, they have great characteristics for tournaments. I love those guys. Um, I think for um, Chargers, you really you really um, want all the pieces to be healthy. I haven't checked on Mike Williams. He's been banged up. I, I'm, I expect he'll be fine. Um, Keenan Allen has a hamstring. I think he'll be fine. But you want all the pieces to be healthy for, for LAC. Um, and... Yeah, then the game has great characteristics. And um, with a lot of value this week and low totals, um, it will be a little bit unusual for me in that I, I will kind of want to pay up for running back, even even in the millionaire maker. I think um, I think Eckler is just a great guy to have. You want to have high exposure to him. Um, 
it's just, it's really hard for these, um, for these lesser priced guys to beat even his median game. So um, because he's a pass catcher and he figures to catch a lot of passes this week, he's the type of high price running back that I will play and eat the chalk, have more than, more than the field. Um, Derek Henry last week, that's the kind of guy you don't want to play. Absolutely. And I played 0%. Um, but yeah, Eckler, uh, go for it. Load up. Okay. Stewart, is there, uh, is there a game on your radar? We were going through cause we, 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 we're doing one of each of our own. Brandon went with, uh, the, the Rams Seahawks. I went with the Chargers Broncos. I'm hoping, I'm hoping you, ch- you, you choose the one that, that I, my second favorite one. We're usually on the same page, and and it's not going to be the Browns. We'll talk about the Browns. We, it's Stuart. You're on the show. We have to going to talk about the Browns at some point. I hope it's not the Browns game. Well, I mean, similar, you know, games that just I think have similar, um, well, in that the opposition is pretty futile, and you know, I'm somewhat interested in the favor side is Baltimore and Chicago. Um, now you let me down. Those. Those, those weren't the two I was looking at, but but let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. The problem with the Baltimore side to me is that, like, not, are they going to push Lamar? And then who do you pair him with? And then do you run back a, a, a Giants team with a 16 and a half total? Like, this to me, this seems like the type of game where either you're playing Lamar naked or with Andrews, like Lamar Andrews, or you're just you're just hoping that the game duds. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say just Lamar plus uh, pass catcher, no bring back. Um, I don't know. Sh- Chicago, I think, like Jacksonville to me has more bring back ability. Um, really? The Jaguars? The Jaguars, they have like 17 guys that could get there. I'm just uh, knock, I'm just knocking everything down you say, Stuart. No, I, I like the Bears. The Bears project well. I think Allen Robinson projects well. Montgom- Montgomery's going to be chalky. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure. Brandon... What are your thoughts on those two game environments in general? Are are you are you on them like Stewart? Are you more looking like me? And I look at those games and I go, these are games that could underwhelm from a fantasy side of things. I I think um, I think Baltimore is is a good play. I think um, yeah, people will feel a little bit burned on how um they did they did sit their key guys for a lot of minutes um on sunday um but they're they need to win they absolutely have to win and i think that i think that they're actually less likely to uh to get in a situation where they they rest up this week. Um, and I think you can play it with no bring back in a mid-size field and play it, just gamble on, on some bring backs in a, in a big field. Um, but yeah, I like it. Like last week was a very peculiar week because you had the expensive rushing quarterbacks in great spots and it was hard not to reach for them. Like I played six Kyler lineups of nine. Um, 
it was going to be hard for a pocket QB to get there. Like there, there were guys in good spots. Rivers was in a good spot. There were, and, and there were guys that almost got there like Ryan. Um, but this week you, we got two, we only got really two, what Hertz and Lamar are the only two rushing quarterbacks really. Right. Um, I mean, Trubisky, I guess, if you want to go back and claim that he's a Russian quarterback to some extent. Yeah, so I I do um, I do kind of think there's a good case for paying for Lamar, and then um, there is there's kind of something quiet that happens in low scoring weeks that people don't fully appreciate, which is that um, it's I think one of the one of the considerations that tournament players don't give enough thought to is like how you allocate salary by position, right. And how it changes based on, based on the situation for the week. Right. Um, When you have a low scoring week, you should be more inclined to, to pay up for quarterback. Um, And it's, it's because like on a week like this, if we really, if we really break it down in terms of uh, fantasy points per dollar, you'll find that that by position, your best fantasy points per dollar happen at the quarterback position. So you want to tend to allocate more dollars to that position. And the problem, in other words, like your wide receiver has the most variance, but you'll get uh, less bang for the buck in terms of uh, fantasy point per salary dollar. Um, with quarterback on a week like this, you will get most bang for the buck in terms of expected fantasy points per salary dollar on a high, on a high total week, you still don't want to necessarily spend up at quarterback in a big field because it's the low variance position and, um, you're better off just trying to hit like the 5k or 6k guy and then and then getting the high price running backs and high price wide receivers that have the very high ceilings right it's On more a- it's more the fact that running back because it's low variance that the the higher scoring weeks with more higher total games there most likely will be multiple quarterbacks that you could that will put up a high enough score that that's fine to have but on a lower scoring week, if you could find the one quarterback that puts up, you know, getting 18 points out of your quarterback uh, on a week where, uh, you know, getting getting 28 points out of your quarterback on a week where six quarterbacks go for 28 plus points, like doesn't matter as much as getting the 28 point quarterback on a week where none of the other quarterbacks go for over 20. Like that's that's kind of at, at the quarterback position. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there, well, there's also an element of, of just, you want to, you always want to capture equity where you can without, without capping your upside. And because on a week like this, your projected fantasy points per salary di- dollar tend to be highest at the quarterback position, you want to, you want to all else equal allocate a lot of money at the quarterback position. The only way you don't want to do that is if it caps upside it will cap upside on a high total week, but it won't cap upside so much on a week like this. So this is the type of week where for me, uh, paying up for a guy like Lamar is a good thing to do. 
How about um, paying up for how about paying up for Jalen Hurts? I think I think Hurts is going to be popular, and I think the Cowboys receivers are going to be popular. We have a game that's forty nine and a half total. The Eagles have a twenty five point seven five implied total. The Cowboys have twenty three point seven five. It'll be in Dallas indoors. Uh, problem with the Eagles is like what you could pair. You could pair Goddard is the the second best projected tight end point per dollar. So you, we may see a lot of Hertz plus Goddard plus Dallas wide receiver. Obviously, we have to, to see whether or not Gallup is going to play or not. But it could be Cooper. It could be Lamb. Uh, Zeke probably plays. But if he doesn't play, then you get Pollard there. Do you think that the Eagles-Cowboys game, depending on those scenarios, is is a good environment? Or is it going to be something that will be over-owned for its probability? Yeah, for me, that would be one I would be uh, pretty far underweight. Um, obviously, it's been smashed to oppose Dallas for the year. Um, but... I feel like Hertz is at a fairly rich price. Um, his weaponry is just not good enough. Like just by, by the eyeball test, mostly I'm going to hear more on eyeball than, than data, but like he just, he's a great rushing quarterback. And if he had the weaponry, you would happily pay seven K for him. But he doesn't like they're, they're the team is just not good. Like Greg Ward. I'm just, I, they, there's just not enough there. Um, so for me, even against Dallas, like it's not, he doesn't have tournament winning weaponry to work with. Um, so it would be a spot that I would tend to avoid. Especially when he's going to be probably over based on a two game sample size of, you know, he put up 40 points last week. Yeah, he looks great. I mean, if like I said, if he had if he had some great wide receivers to work with, fire it up. But it, I just don't see enough upside in his in his weaponry. I mean, he has the rushing floor. That's great. Maybe maybe he gets in the end zone a couple of times. Like, there's always that. But for me um, to really target him, I would want that rushing upside plus some weaponry in the in the receivers. So, Stewart, do, do the Eagles – I mean, they have a 25.75 implied total. I mean, they probably come in in your model around where the Chargers are or so. Yeah, they're they're just behind the Chargers. Um, seventh, seventh most likely. Dallas, ninth most likely. So, like, it is one of these games where it's kind of competitive from both sides, and there are actually, you know, few of those on the slate. Um I think it's tough. I mean, we talk about it with Tampa Bay, you know, it seems like Tampa Bay, Indianapolis this week. And, you know, I think Philadelphia and Dallas among their pass catchers, there's, there's a bit of kind of a pass catcher roulette there as well. It, uh, you know, it seems like there's a good deal of uncertainty, um, you know, hurts. I think you're willing to, to do naked, but um, yeah, it seem, seems like there's a, a bit of a pick uh that, that makes it somewhat challenging to kind of figure out what the clear, um, you know, route is for for really either side of this game. Okay, Stuart, can you guess what yeah. my my favorite game on the? Can you can you? We're gonna go one more game, and it's the one that I'm picking out. It's my favorite. It's other than the Broncos. It's my favorite. It's my favorite overall game on the entire slate. Can can you can you can you identify it? Uh, 
you'd look at it and go, wow. Pitt? No. Houston, Cincinnati? I don't know. There you go. There you go. Two teams that are awful and have nothing to play for other than it's week 16. They don't have defenses, right? Bengals don't barely have a quarterback. Uh, to me, I look at the prices of this game and it's being played indoors in Houston. Uh, you get, you know, week six, week 17, probably half these guys don't even play. doesn't even matter. But for the prices, uh, I, I don't like this game. This, this I consider this to be a very high variance game. This is either a game where the offense is inefficient or the defense is inefficient. So it's a type of game where this could be 14 to 10 or it could be 42 to 35 because it's just, they're just chucking the ball. Like just, Ryan, the, the, the Bengals have nothing to play for. The Texans have nothing to play for. They just chuck the ball. I mean, the Bengals against the Steelers is much different than against the Texans defense. So even I don't mind Ryan Figley plus T Higgins. I don't, but I, I, I would more likely do it from the other side, Watson plus pass catcher plus T Higgins or Tyler Boyd on the way back. And like, not many people are going to play this game because of like, why would you play Bengals Texans at 46 total, but on a week where the totals are low, uh, Watson, I mean, we see Watson and the Texans have properties for ceilings. T Higgins has a property for in the Texans secondary breaking one off for 120 yards. So Brandon, I see you're smiling. Either you're smiling because you agree with me or you think I'm a fool. Um, I have to admit to some level of distraction there. <laughs> it's funny. One lesson that I had when I was teaching is that you always think that other people can't see when you're doing something else, but they always can. Um, yes. So I have to admit to some level of distraction there. I guess for, so for me, what separates, you know, this game from like, for me, they're, they're, they're really, these four games just are very similar. Cleveland, Baltimore, Chicago, Houston, and then the other sides, you know, I guess like Houston is a pretty flammable defense in a way that like Chicago and Baltimore are not. Right. I just, the competition, it's like, I look at like Baltimore, who do I play in that game? Like there are many choices. Browns, Jets. I mean, we've done this with the Jets before. Like to me, the Browns, it's like, oh, I played Chubb. I play Hunt. I play Lane. I mean, like I don't see stacking the game, but in Houston, Cincinnati, like I feel like I could play, I could play twenty lineups of this game and have Chad Hansen, Kiki Cutie, Jordan Akins. I could have David Johnson if, if the other guys sit. And the Bengals, like I could have Higgins, Boyd. I could have so many. I to me, Higgins and Boyd are much more talented wide receivers than Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perriman and guys like that in a game where I think the the Browns don't necessarily. I mean, the Browns want to win, but it's just a matter of, do I think, may, yes, I could play some Mayfield. I could play some Landry, but it just feels like, like the Bengals Texans game. It could, it could be one, it could be one of those, one yeah. of those. I mean, we, I, I'm used to this in soccer, like in soccer, a lot of the times, uh, like when the two last place teams face each other in like the group stage of a tournament, like we're there, it's the last round of the group stage and no one can, like the result doesn't matter. Like they're both eliminated. Typically that affects the defense more than the the offense. The, you know, the defenders are less likely to care. 
because give up as many goals as you want. It doesn't matter. So the game sometimes tends to play extremely free-flowing because of that. I don't know how much of an effect that is in, in the NFL. And in basketball, we see it all the time, right? Two teams that have they don't can't like typically it's yeah, the, the, game. right. It's like the all-star game, right? No one wants to play defense because you have to work at that. So to me, these are teams that like you have play, you have young enough players that are competing for starting jobs and contracts and, you know, defenders that like, who, who cares if we lose? What would, would, I'm not going to chase this guy down. It's just like, okay, you, you got there, you know, and these, are, and they're bad defenses to begin with. Right. So that's yeah. why I say it's high variance because they're also bad off. I mean, the offenses tend to be inefficient also. So this could be a 14 to 10 game or it could be 42 to 35, but for large field GPPs, I'm more likely to embrace that type of variance than, you know, look at a game like the Bears Jaguars and go, where, what, what happens in this game that it turns into a 70 point shootout? Like, I just don't see it for that game. Got it. All right. Well, you want to maybe talk through, because I do think, you know, Watson, obviously, you know, there's a lot, there's just, that's kind of the one clear piece, at least to me. On the Houston side, you know, it sound, seems like you could go Cooks or Kuti, right? Or I guess maybe even David Johnson. You could add Hanson. You could add Aikens. I mean, at least at first glance, I'd probably avoid going like Watson, Cooks, Kuti. Just feels like, you know, Kuti and Cooks are both priced pretty efficiently such that if one succeeds, the other's likely to fail, or if they both, you know, uh, I don't want to take up two wide receiver spots if possible. Okay. Um, but I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of pieces. This is, this is the, this is the type of game that I don't have. I'm, this is not, this is not a, I'm playing in a small field, 800 man single entry, you know, that type of thing. This is the type of thing of like, I'm going to dedicate 20 lineups to this game and, so I don't have to bother choosing between Boyd and Higgins. It's just like, I'm going to have half Boyd and half Higgins. I'm going to have some Cook, some QT, some Hank. It's just like, give me a couple, give me, I'll have Drew Sample, who, who knows, right? AJ Green, that corpse shows up out of nowhere, whatever, something like that. It Just Bernard even, I mean, pass catching running back Geo. out of the backfield. He's really cheap this week. Uh, I guess he didn't get the Monday night bump. I mean, he's super cheap and I think works. I guess you just wouldn't play him opposite, say, like David Johnson, if you're right. But I'm expecting we don't have initial ownership out yet, but I'm expecting the ownership on all these players are going to be low. Yeah. Right. So like it's not like this is the popular game. That's why I'm looking at the Broncos and this game as like these are my these are kind of like my vomit stack type of things. And then then target ceiling elsewhere. So so, I mean, on a 10 game slate, that's low scoring. I mean, nothing is that that outlandish Brandon yeah. you you would admit that on on a on a like even if you said oh how about that? how about the, the the Washington team you know or how about the like anyone on a low scoring slate if they just go like four to seven points over their their median or whatever at their prices like median score like if Washington puts up 29 instead of 22 like they're stacked to get there Right, like all, all the the totals are low enough that if you get a like a a sixty eighth percentile outcome, a seventieth percentile outcome from even the cheaper teams, that they could be in the winning lineup. 
Yeah, for me, to the way to play this game would be um, you can get aggressive on David Johnson because I think that's a really good play. Um, and then on the Cincinnati side, I would have I would have one receiver peppered. I would be o- maybe overexposed to um, the Cincinnati receivers, but I would just pepper in one guy, and it doesn't really matter which one. You just have you have more than the rest of the field. You fill in one one space with Boyd. You fill in one space with Higgins. You fill in one space with Green and the reason I would take that approach is um, I would think that like stacking this game or having multiple pieces of this game would be something you would want to do just out of like three in 150 lineups or something. Um, it's if, if you're thinking about how it's likely to go, you've got the Cincinnati side that's most likely to outperform. That's most likely to kind of go off. Um, and in terms of tournament winning performances, it's like one of those guys going for a couple touchdown performance for me, Watson is, is like, uh, I would not play him under any circumstances. I think, okay. Really real. I mean, really? Here's why. Here's why. Um, if you think common sense incentives, you would say both teams are out of it. Deshaun Watson is a top four NFL quarterback. Um, let's not get Deshaun Watson hurt. That's just like a level. Just yeah, but I think incentive. they'll do that. Way. I think what they'll do is week sixteen he goes out have have some fun, and then week seventeen he doesn't play. So I mean, well, what Vegas is saying is that 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 incentive is likely to to hold. Um, they have a 26.75 implied total. What are you talking about? They have a Houston? Yes, 26.75 implied total. I don't think so. Um, That's what I have on my screen. It's a 46 total, and the Texans are favored by seven and a half. Um, I have it as the I have it as the fewest projected plays on on the weekend as a game. And I, I believe that's because Cincinnati's not projected to have a lot of plays because they don't stay on the field, and and Houston um, is likely to run the ball more than they might otherwise, and and just generally slow the game down. Um, and I mean, I'm just going by implied total. I mean, like, like regardless of the plays or whatever. I mean, I could take a look at that also, but from an, I mean, obviously Stewart. You'd look at, you know, just yeah, you're right. I was total. looking at, I was looking at a, I was looking at a bad total. I was looking at a 43 total and it's a 46 total with the, and they're a seven and a half point favorite. That's, that's what I'm saying. 26.75 points implied is like higher than, than some other teams. And like, I obviously Vegas thinks they're going to put up almost four touchdowns. So why don't I get them? Yeah, no, we, we have not fifth on our, uh, you know, list. My fifth, fifth, God, the fifth. <laughs> I've, I've been being scolded to. They're fifth on your list. I, I will say I haven't updated it since. Oh, like, okay, you're gonna have to. You have to. As, if there has been significant morning movement, uh, that that could uh, that could could be a hanging chat on that one. Um, hanging chat, Hanson. But yes, but I would do agree with you, Brandon. Uh, according to the Blitz, it's uh, 
the second lowest projected amount of plays currently in the blitz. And by the way, in terms of like fantasy sports analytics, um, this, this general topic of incentives is something that uh, far better work needs to be done on because like at, at, at ASA a few years ago, we tried our hand at it. And basically what we found is that incentives matter a bit less than you would generally think like most teams kind of play their guys. And the fact that the individual players have incentives to perform means that more than you would think um, teams sort of disregard incentives and do their thing. Um, But more work needs to be done in this regard, because at this time in the season, these are very, very popular things. And in terms of our uh, biases, um, we just remember so clearly those times where we where we play a guy who might not have incentive to play and he's rested and it, it screws us. Like it's, it's the type of situation where our, our biases throw us very far off. And um, that's why I want to take I, advantage of them. That's what that, yeah. I want people to think that, that this is a game that both teams don't matter. They are just going to rest, but it's week 16. And the total, the total is that I look at the Vegas lines. It's the most efficient thing in all of sports. And I'm like, it's a 27-6. You're telling me they're going to score almost four touchdowns. Why not play them? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just maybe I'm just thinking too simple-minded. I'm just like, eh, why not? <laughs> yeah, um, it seems it seems reasonable. Like I said, I was looking at the wrong total there. So um, I do think, um, obviously, it's a great spot for Watson if it turns out that he that he goes full bore. I don't. If I were coaching, I would run a lot of David Johnson and like not not have Deshaun uh, taking a lot of chances. You but. know how many times fantasy players and analytics people are like, if if rational coaching existed, this is what this is that you'd never lose. But like, come on, we look at Anthony Lynn, look at look at Tomlin, look at I mean, look at the coaching. Pete Carroll still wants to run the ball a million times for no reason. So like you, you, we could think in our heads like, oh, there's no way that the Texans just push their franchise quarterback in a game that doesn't mean anything, and then he goes out and like, okay, yeah, I guess the coaches are stupid. <laughs> we see that I'm almost my, Brandon. I'm almost I almost rather assume they're stupid than assume they're smart at this point. Yeah, yeah, I hear I hear you. Um... Lamar goes out, it's the fourth quarter, and it, they're up by four touchdowns, and he's still in. And you're wondering, like, why, why, is, this, why is this happening? It's like, well, because coaches are stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and and the, a lot of times the players, wanna, they want to play. Um, they want to put up stats, and, and they're telling the coaches that they want to play. Um, I do think it's a smash spot for David Johnson, though. I think he'll likely get, get going. And you could, I could play David Johnson across from T. Hick. I could play like, even if it's just a secondary correlation in the lineup, if you don't stack it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super, super viable, obviously. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Stewart, you got the stub stack coming out this week, right? You got, you got NBA stuff a lot that people don't realize. Yeah. That I, you're doing NBA stuff. We talked about it before the show. NBA projections, you know, you know me, I, I trumpet the, the Roto-Grinders projections. So it, it almost feels like we're, we're, we're in competition a little. 
You have to up the game. Our projection team is really good, but but you also have tools for NBA on on ASA that would be useful that that RG doesn't have. Yeah, so we you know we build traditional projections um, as well as I would say data aggregation and kind of visualization tools, uh, looking at player specific metrics. So. I think one tool I rely on a lot for NFL that we put out is our volume efficiency tool, uh, tracking players, uh, you know, volume opportunity volume and just their efficiency per that, you know, unit of a volume, usually a rush or target. Uh, Want to put out something similar for basketball. I think uh, there's so much roster turnover uh, this year with the NBA. It's going to be interesting to see what players, uh, you know, maintain kind of, we have, our priors on like what we think certain players usage usage levels are rotation kind of allotment is uh, and it'll be the new players come in certain players exit. It will be interesting to kind of track how, how some of these moving pieces uh, affect the roles of some of the players we have kind of preconceived notions about from last year. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure yet exactly how we're going to incorporate the sub stack for NBA, you know, for football, it's just so perfect with the, weekly slate um for basketball i don't think it's something we can do on a daily basis um so we'll try to do some sort of weekly Substack uh nba offering as well as rolling out those tools uh projections as well um so yeah you can find us at advancedsportsanalytics.com or on twitter um we should have you know good information as we announce kind of the rollout of uh well the the current stuff we have out now as well as rolling out you know some new tools uh early in the season so and Brandon, uh, anything else that you're up to? I know you're doing some stuff with high stakes poker. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, done a couple of Vegas trips this year. Uh, faded COVID both times. So <laughs> had uh, had some good trips out there. And yeah, it's. I mean, it feels like it's going to be a big year for advanced sports analytics. We got a lot of plans. And, 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 and NBA and we, we got sports. It almost feels like, well, I get to play DFS every day now. Like, like, as we typically like by October, like you have baseball in September still, and you have NBA starting in October. So like you're playing NFL DFS, like on top of the stuff that you'd be playing every day. And it kind of like this season for NFL, it kind of like, it's like, oh, oh, it's, it's Wednesday. Like, you mean I have to just, I, you mean, you mean I have to spend time with my family? Like, 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 why isn't there anything on? Like, come on. So, so, uh, so obviously, uh, advancedsportsanalytics.com. You could check out all their tools there. Uh, Brandon Adams on Twitter, B Adams 78, uh, Stuart Gibson, start Gibson. And I'm Jordan Cooper at Blender HD on Twitter. This has been another episode of the advanced sports analytics show on rotogrinders.com.